Welcome once again to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. In this episode, Pastor Andrew reveals how our deeply held earthly beliefs can hold us back from receiving God's blessings and prevent us from reaching out to the people of expectation. Let's go over to our Gospel reading. And I want to read the beginning of this story since the Gospel reading starts in the middle of it. And it is from Luke 4. And it's the story of Jesus returning home. Now Jesus had, just prior to this, been in the desert, tempted by the devil. And he'd gone into the desert filled with the Spirit. And through his successful meeting the temptations thrown at him by the devil, he came out in the power of the Spirit. He came out ready for action, ready for ministry. And news went around about him through the whole countryside and he was teaching their synagogues and everyone praised him. And he was healing people left, right and centre. He was raising the dead. He was casting out demons. And when he went to Nazareth, where he was brought up, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. And as was his custom, he stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began to say, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he spoke well of him, and there were amazed and gracious words that came from his lips, isn't this Joseph's son, they ask. So how does this story end? This is the beginning. And if you had been sitting there gazing upon Jesus, having listened to the prophetic words of Isaiah, that were the words that outlined the ministry of the Messiah. And you knew it. You were good Jewish scholars and people. You knew your Bible. You knew the passage. And his reading of it was just stunning. He gripped your attention. 
You couldn't look away from him. Such was the power of his magnetism. And then he says, today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today, this has been fulfilled in your presence. Now, I don't know what you would have thought, but my gut feeling was, okay, this is the Messiah. Or at least that's what he's claiming to be. And so they come up with, but aren't you just Joseph's son? Now, at the end of the story, they drag him out of the synagogue, drag him to a ledge, and we're going to throw him off. Not a good response from your first message, is it? All you simply did was read the lesson. And next thing, they're dragging you out to throw you off a cliff. And what I love is, but he just walked out. He just walked through the crowd. Now, I don't know whether he sort of became invisible and walked through the crowd, or he was of such a presence that as he simply moved through the crowd, nobody was willing to touch him or to stop him. So what did he say to get them upset? Why are they saying, isn't this Joseph's son? They'd heard the rumours. They'd heard what others had been bringing back from Cape Nam and the Galilee and about what Jesus had been doing and the healings and the raising the dead and the casting out demons and the teaching. And they're scratching their head. Didn't we see you grow up in our midst? We know you. How can these rumours possibly be true? So what is going on here? And Matthew and Mark make it really clear that he couldn't do any miracles in this visit to Nazareth because of their unbelief. Mark says he couldn't do many miracles, or vice versa. Couldn't do any, couldn't do many. This is Jesus who Matthew tells us in one place healed everybody and cast out every demon of those brought to him. There's no hospital on this planet that can achieve that. That if everybody came in today, they went out today absolutely well and healed. And they're saying, how could you do this? We know you. You're the kid that helped your dad in the carpenter's shop. And you see, when you think about it, they're right. And there was probably only a slight indication of who Jesus really was in those early years as he grew up. But once he began to move in the power of the Spirit, he had impact. And he had come to his own hometown to have impact. And that wasn't going to happen because of their unbelief. So what's the substance of their unbelief? We know who you are. We know you. This is naturally absolutely impossible. Not impossible that there could be a prophet in Israel. Not impossible that there could be a miracle worker. Not impossible that someone could do astounding things. 
It just can't be you because we know you. And sometimes our unbelief comes from what we think we know. We know people don't rise from the dead. Well, he did. And if we're in the scientific community, we know miracles don't happen. They're just the God of the gaps. The whole idea was that things we can't explain we call a miracle until science said how it happened and therefore it's no longer a miracle. So we don't believe in miracles culturally. And there's a whole range of cultural things that actually undermine our belief system, undermine our faith. And if those things continue to control us, then life becomes extremely mundane and we won't ever achieve what God really wants us to achieve. Because the one thing he really wants us to have is faith. You know, God can do awesome things in different situations. One story I remember was a young woman who was quite ill And every night she would jump into the bed and say, God, heal me. This went on for some months with no healing. And then one night she just simply jumped into bed and this man in a business suit appeared in a room who was actually an angel and said, we would appreciate a much more sincere prayer. And disappeared like that. Would you believe that? She got out of bed, got on her knees and sincerely asked God to heal her and she was healed. You know, those stories, and I've seen some of them, are so far out because they go against what we know. They go against what we think we know. I remember going to a moral theology tutorial in college and I was late. And I got into my chair and they were talking about the miracles of Jesus in the Bible. And they were saying they couldn't possibly happen. You know, miracles don't happen. So these are mythical stories that are there to boost the image of Jesus. And there was a lull in the conversation. And I said, I understand why you can't believe in the miracles in the New Testament. But I see miracles all the time around me. So I have no problem seeing Jesus doing these miracles. No problem at all. And the conversation got changed really quickly. Miracles are real. We believe in a supernatural, awesome God who gets involved in our lives. I'm not going to guarantee the miracles are going to occur. I can't guarantee that. But I can tell you, I absolutely believe in them. I believe that every miracle that Jesus did recorded in the New Testament, Jesus did. And not only do I need the New Testament to tell me that, the Roman writers tell us that. History tells us. The historical records outside of the Bible tell us that Jesus was a miracle worker. He actually did these things. So he comes to his own hometown and of course they can't believe him. And he hadn't yet done anything that would change that. And it comes back to that statement by Matthew and Mark. 
he couldn't do any miracles because of the unbelief. In other words, there was an unbelief resident in this small community of Nazareth. And because of that resident unbelief, he couldn't do what they were wanting him to do. Okay, prove yourself. Show us. I don't know if you read enough about Jesus in the Gospels, but he doesn't take kindly to being asked to prove himself. Why should he? He's the living God. Everything that we see on this planet, he put there. Every creative element that was a part of the natural order has enabled us as creative beings to turn into incredible things because God has put into us a creative heart. So here is this incredible saviour of the world, the Messiah, and he's declared it. That's what got them angry. And then he gets them madder. He talks about the widows in Israel in Elijah's time. Elijah was sent to a widow and her job was to look after him during the famine. And she says, I don't have anything to give you. He says, give me the little bit that you've got. And you know, when she gave him that little bit, it multiplied. And it multiplied and multiplied and fed them for the whole of the famine. Now, you say, she must have had incredible faith. I don't think so. She stepped out in faith. She might not have known that's what she was doing. But when she stepped out in faith, God multiplied what she had. And when we step out in faith, God will multiply what we have. But if God is asking you to give a little bit, then he can multiply that back to you. And he will multiply it back to you. That's what Jesus just said here. Then he talks about Naaman the leper coming to Elisha. Elisha didn't heal him. In fact, Elisha got him so angry that he turned around and went back home, or started going back home. Because Elisha didn't even come out to see him, this great Syrian general. And he rolled up with his entourage and Elisha sent his servant out. He said, go and watch seven times in the river. And Naaman was really, really, I'm going to wash in this dirty river. I've got better rivers at home to wash in. And wasn't going to do it. And then lo and behold, his servant said, look, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Why don't you do what he said? And he did. The seventh time he comes out of the water and it says his skin was like a baby's. He was cleansed by his action. That somewhere in those seven, faith sprang up. Faith engaged. And he was totally healed. Now these two stories really riled them to the point of dragging him out to throw him over the cliff. What is this? This is unbelief at work. 
It's corrosive. It's destructive. It robs us. It undermines us. And if we don't deal with it, we can't fully engage in what God is really wanting us to do. Now, this message is just not for you. This is a message for me. Right? Because I feel the struggles you feel. I feel the letdowns. And they don't seem to be getting better. They seem to continue to be knocking us left, right and centre. And sometimes we stumble. And sometimes we're just not sure anymore. And it's so easy to lose faith given that we have an enemy who wants to take it away from us. If we let unbelief reign, then we lose it. But if we let that spark of faith come up and say, he walked through the crowd. They were about to throw him off the cliff and he walked through the crowd. I'm going to follow that guy. I'm going to follow the guy who can walk through the crowd when they want to kill him. And nobody lays a finger on him. Here is a man who I want to follow, even before I know he's the son of the living God. Even before I know that he truly is the Messiah. That's a man I want to follow. Why? Because there's just something about him. It's worth it. And it's worth everything. And then when you actually begin to get the gist of who he really is, he's not just simply a man with confidence. He's not simply a man with magnetism. He's not simply a man who people are afraid of, and they ought to be. He is the living God in the person of the Son of God born in the person of Jesus Christ to be our Redeemer, to be our Saviour, to call us to believe, as Paul tells us in Romans 1, that the gospel is a call to believe and obey. You know, you can't actually obey God without faith. Faith brings you to the point of obedience And obedience causes the miracles. The obedience causes the outpouring of God. The obedience causes the life of God coming into our midst. So if we're going to take on the people of expectation, I think we have to. I'm absolutely convinced that they are waiting for someone, somewhere, somehow, to tell them what to do. Take the risk. If their life can be saved because we take that risk, isn't the risk worth taking? You know enough to share good news, to share the gospel. You've been sitting listening to me for a long, long time. And as you've sat and listened, into your system is filtering the good news of the kingdom of God a theological, practical, earthy understanding of what this is all about. You actually know it. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't trim up what we know. But get this one. 
Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Ask the question. But you can only do that if you breach unbelief and break the forces that rob Nazareth of the greatest blessing in their life. Let us pray. Father, breach unbelief in our hearts, in our minds, and what we think we know. That we can see you, see what you've got for us, see what you have for others, and through faith have the ability to engage it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.